Good afternoon, everyone. It is just before five o'clock here in Northern California on January 5th, 2021. Hope everyone had a happy new year and welcome to the 24th episode of our news roundup podcast going from December 27th to January 2nd. This podcast is sponsored by Mission Essential Gear, your one-stop combat shop. Home of the Thules, the tactical handbook for unit leaders available at megearco.com and Amazon as well. Check out The Freelancers, which is a media and research collective dedicated to covering modern conflicts with a soft focus on foreign fighters. You can find them on Twitter at CBT Freelancers, Instagram at Freelancers Blog, and their website at freelancersconflictblog.wordpress.com. Also check out Fortress International, which is a veteran-owned research and analysis firm near Washington, D.C., you can find them on Twitter and Instagram at Fortress underscore INT and their website at FortressLLC.org. And with that being said, we'll get started. And we'll start off with the COVID-19 numbers and news. The week began with 80 million cases, 1.76 million deaths and 45 million recoveries. The week ended with 84 million cases, 1.83 million deaths, and 47 million recoveries. Of course, those are global numbers. There are three countries with over 5 million cases, the U.S. at 20 million, India at 10 million, and Brazil at 7 million. There are 18 countries with over 1 million cases, the aforementioned countries, Russia, France, the United Kingdom, Turkey, Italy, Spain, Germany, Colombia, Argentina, Mexico, Poland, Iran, Ukraine, Peru, and South Africa in that order. There are also 27 countries with less than 1,000 cases. There are 31 confirmed cases of reinfection worldwide. 27 of them have recovered so far. Two are active and two have passed away. Of those cases, India has six, the Netherlands four, four for Qatar, Four for Belgium, three for the U.S., two for Brazil, and for the rest of the countries, Hong Kong, one, Sweden, one, Spain, one, Ecuador, one, South Korea, one, Peru, one, Mexico, one, and Israel, one. As of January 2nd, over 12 million people had been vaccinated in 30 countries, with Israel leading at roughly 10.5% of the nation's population. Behind Israel is Bahrain at 4%, the UK at 1.42%, the US at 1.3%, and Denmark at 0.56%. The COVID-19 variant that was discovered in the UK back in October is continuing to spread around the world with at least one case being found this week in the Isle of Man, Turkey, Finland, India, China, Taiwan, Vietnam, South Korea, Norway, Portugal, Brazil, Chile, Jordan, the UAE, Malta, the Canadian provinces of British Columbia, Alberta, Quebec, and the U.S. states of Colorado, Florida, and California. In all U.S. cases at the time, the infected had no recent travel history, meaning that the variant is likely already spreading at a rapid rate. And just to jump ahead a little bit, today on the 5th, San Diego County reported 28 new cases of this variant alone, so it means it's spreading probably a lot faster than we're aware of. 
In Finland, the infected person recently traveled from Western Europe, confirming that the variant is indeed spreading at an unknown rate at that part of the continent. In Chile, the infected person traveled from Spain. In Brazil, no travel history was announced for that infected person. The COVID-19 variant that was found in South Africa has spread to South Korea, Zambia, Finland, France, Switzerland, Japan, and Queensland, Australia. Travel history for the Finnish and Swiss cases prior to infection was not announced. And from the 27th of December, record cases were reported in the United Kingdom four times, twice in the Czech Republic, twice in the Canadian province of Ontario, twice in Ireland, once in Tokyo, once in Japan as a whole, once in Scotland, once in Northern Ireland, once in Portugal, and once in New York State. Record deaths were reported twice in California, twice in Uruguay, twice in Germany, once in South Korea, and once worldwide. On the 27th, Oman, Austria, the Czech Republic, Greece, and Romania began their vaccination campaigns with the Pfizer vaccine. In Oman, Health Minister Ahmed Al-Sadi was one of the first to receive the vaccine. Also in Oman, the country reopened its borders after closing them on December 21st due to fears over the variant coming from the United Kingdom. All travelers will now have to show a negative test result that is no more than 72 hours old to enter the country. Also on the 27th, the U.S. passed 19 million confirmed cases and South Africa passed 1 million. And lastly, on the 27th, Brazilian Vice President Hamilton Mauro tested positive and he is currently in isolation. On the 28th, Belgium began its vaccination campaign with the Pfizer vaccine. Vaccinations also began for American troops assigned to U.S. forces Japan with medical workers being prioritized. The command was given at least 8,000 doses the week prior. Novavax announced that it will begin phase three trials of its vaccine candidate in the U.S. and Mexico. The trial plans to enroll up to 30,000 volunteers with two-thirds receiving the vaccine and the rest receiving the placebo. Canada passed 15,000 virus related deaths and Spain passed 50,000 virus related deaths. And Japanese Transport Minister Yachiro Hata died due to virus complications, becoming the first Japanese lawmaker to die from the virus. On the 29th, U.S. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris received the Moderna vaccine on live television. And U.S. Congressman-elect Luke Letlow of Louisiana died from the virus. Letlow revealed that he tested positive on December 18th and was admitted to the ICU the next day. He was set to take office on January 3rd. He was survived by his wife and two children, and he was only 41 years old. Ireland began its vaccination campaign with the Pfizer vaccine. Belarus began its campaign with Russia's Sputnik V vaccine, becoming the first nation outside of Russia to administer it. Argentina began its campaign also using the Sputnik V vaccine, becoming the second nation outside of Russia to do so. And personnel assigned to U.S. Forces Korea began receiving the Moderna vaccine. Healthcare workers and first responders are being prioritized. On the 30th, U.S. Senator Doug Jones of Alabama went into quarantine after his wife tested positive. North Dakota reported less than 100 hospitalizations at 96 for the first time since September 24th. El Salvador approved AstraZeneca's vaccine for use, a timeline for 
distributing the vaccine has not yet been announced. The UK approved the same vaccine, which will be distributed beginning on the 4th, so yesterday, according to Health Minister Matt Hancock. Argentina also approved the AstraZeneca vaccine. Turkey received its first 3 million dose shipment of Sinovac's vaccine. Health Minister Faritin Koka said that the country will receive 20 million doses by the end of January. Ukraine signed an agreement to purchase 1.8 million doses of the same vaccine with the shipments set to arrive in February. Bolivia signed an agreement to receive 2.6 million doses of the Sputnik V vaccine, and Singapore began its campaign with the Pfizer vaccine. On the 31st, China approved Sinopharm's vaccine for use, the first homegrown vaccine given such approval. It's worth noting that the country has already conducted more than 4.0 million vaccinations with homegrown vaccines. The country hopes to vaccinate 50 million people before the Lunar New Year in February. On the same day, a pharmacist in Wisconsin was arrested after intentionally destroying more than 550 doses of the Moderna vaccine, according to authorities. He was charged with first degree recklessly endangering safety, adultering a prescription drug, and criminal damage to property. The pharmacist allegedly removed files of the vaccine from a freezer and left them out to effectively destroy them. Moderna's vaccine must be stored between 36 and 46 degrees Fahrenheit and becomes useless after being kept at room temperature for over 12 hours. And New York passed 30,000 virus-related deaths. On the first, Indonesia banned all international travelers from the country, with the exception of government officials. The new variants of the virus were cited as the reasoning. And India approved AstraZeneca's vaccine for emergency use. The nation's local manufacturer for the vaccine, the Suram Institute of India, has already stockpiled more than 50 million cases. And the United States passed 20 million confirmed cases of the virus. And on the second, New York passed 1 million confirmed cases, becoming the fourth U.S. state to do so after California, Florida, and Texas in that order. The U.S. passed 350,000 COVID-related deaths. Russia reached 80, I'm sorry, 800,000 vaccinations. And the island nation of Palu received 2,800 doses of the Moderna vaccine from the U.S. government. The island nation plans to vaccinate healthcare workers and seniors first. And lastly, the governor of Indonesia's East Java province, Khalifa Indar Paraswanza, tested positive for the virus. She is said to be in good health and in isolation. And we have no space news this week, so we'll move on to Europe. In Russia on December 28th, two men wielding knives attacked two police officers in the Chechen capital of Krozny. One officer was killed and another was wounded. According to Chechen leader Ramzam Kadyov, the two men were brothers from the neighboring Republic of Ingushetia that worked in Chechnya. They were killed while trying to take the officer's weapons. And the last attack against police officers in Chechnya was back in October when Islamist militants killed two officers in a firefight. In Nagorno-Karabakh on the 28th, one Azerbaijani soldier was killed and another was wounded by a, quote, armed Armenian group inside the region. The armed group were likely Armenian military holdouts that have taken to guerrilla tactics in the region since the November 10th ceasefire went into effect. All six of the Armenian attackers were killed. 
to Azeri, according to Azeri officials. Excuse me. On the same day, prisoner exchanges between the two sides continued with four Armenian and two Azerbaijani POWs returning home. And we'll move on to Asia. In China on the 27th, seven were killed and seven others were injured in a stabbing attack in the city of Kawan in Liaoning province. A police officer was injured by the attacker, but he was arrested. These sort of mass attacks are uncommon in China, but several high-profile attacks have happened within the past few years. And on the 28th, a court in the country sentenced a citizen journalist to four years in prison for, quote, picking quarrels and provoking trouble. While reporting on the COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan during the virus's peak in the city, Zan, sorry, Zhang Zan, a 37-year-old lawyer turned journalist, was detained back in May and has been on hunger strike for several months at this point. Her indictment sheet says that she sent, quote, false information through text, video, and other media through WeChat, Twitter, and YouTube. She was also accused of doing interviews with foreign outlets and, quote, maliciously spreading information about the Wuhan outbreak. In a video clip obtained by BBC, she said, quote, maybe I have a rebellious soul. I'm just documenting the truth. Why can't I show the truth? In a separate part of that clip, she says, quote, I won't stop doing what I'm doing because this country can't go backwards. She was previously detained in 2019 for vocally supporting activists in Hong Kong. Her lawyers say that she is in poor health and plan to appeal the verdict. It is worth noting that China's courts have a conviction rate of at least 98%. And moving on to the Middle East in Pakistan, on January 2nd, militants with ISIS-K abducted and killed 11 ethnic Haraza coal miners in Balochistan province. The Hazara, excuse me, I mispronounced it the first time, the Hazara are routinely targeted by extremists for generally being followers of Shia Islam. Security forces are currently looking for the suspects. And... Also in Pakistan, on the same day, authorities arrested Zakor Remin Kivi, who is believed to be the leader of Lashkar-e-Taiba, which is a group that was blamed for the 2008 Mumbai terrorist attacks that killed 166 people. Lakvi was arrested on the accusations of funding terrorism. He was previously arrested only days after the Mumbai attacks, but was released back in 2015. In Afghanistan, on the 27th, Afghan security force officials announced that they had arrested suspects involved in a number of recent targeted killings in the country. Three suspects were arrested in the killing of former Tola News anchor Yamas Lawash on November 7th. One suspect was arrested in connection to the killing of Elias Dai, a radio Azadi reporter in Helmand on November 12th. Two suspects were arrested in the killing of Malala Maiwand, a reporter killed in Jalalabad in November. One suspect in the killing of Ramatala Nexad, a freelance reporter recently killed in Ghazni, is a member of the Taliban. Two suspects were arrested in connection with an attack on Freshta Koshtani, a civil society activist. 
and officials with the National Directorate of Security stated that the Taliban was responsible for that attack as well. Also on the 27th, according to the Defense Ministry, 11 Al-Qaeda fighters and two senior Taliban leaders were killed by Afghan Air Force airstrikes in the Nawa district of Helmand province. In the Anadara district of Farah province, a Taliban assault of the district police headquarters left one security force member killed and two wounded. The Taliban began the attack by detonating a car bomb and several militants were killed in that assault as well, according to Taj Mohammed, the provincial governor. On the 30th, Masad Atal, a pilot assigned to the Afghan Army's 205th Corps, was killed by unidentified gunmen in the PD-4 area. I'm sorry, PD-14 area of Kandahar City. And on the 1st, the Taliban's governor for Fayyar province, Mullah Nazim, and six other militants were killed when their own explosive detonated in the Daliat Abad district of Fayyab province. Happy New Year. In Syria on the 30th, a bus reportedly transporting a Syrian Arab army unit from Derizor was ambushed by ISIS fighters. The ambush occurred near the city of Palmyra and at least 28 soldiers from the 4th Armored Division were killed. In Iraq on the 27th, an Iraqi court issued an arrest warrant for Abu Ali al-Ashkari, a senior official in Iranian-backed Shia militia Kataib Hezbollah. According to Al Jazeera, a warrant was issued in accordance with Article 4 of Iraq's terrorism law. This came two days after Iraqi intelligence arrested multiple members, including a senior leader of Asayib al-Haq, another Iranian-backed militia. Those arrests led to the militia mobilizing its forces and deploying armed fighters to some neighborhoods in Baghdad, which in turn led to Iraqi counter-terror services also being deployed in Baghdad. Prime Minister Mustafa al-Khadami initially refused to release the militiamen, however, he ended up releasing them that same day. The same thing will likely happen to al-Ashkari, if it hasn't already. In Yemen on the 30th, at least 22 people were killed and another 110 wounded when the Aden International Airport was attacked. Yemen's, sorry, Yemen's newly formed government, many members of which had just arrived on the runway, was the apparent target. The Iranian-backed Houthi rebels have been blamed for the attack, but the group denied responsibility. Many details of the attack are still unclear such as the methods used. A local source stated that mortars caused the initial explosions that began the attack. However, Communication Minister Naguib al-Ag, who was present for the attack, stated that it was a drone strike. One of those that was wounded said that a missile hit the terminal's gate meters from where he was. As people in the area began to run away from the explosions, automatic gunfire erupted from armored cars. Among the dead are civilians, government officials, three members of the International Committee of the Red Cross, and at least one reporter. The cabinet ministers of the new government were unharmed and were taken to the Mahik Palace, which is the presidential residence. An explosion was heard near the palace about four hours later. Al Arabia News said that an explosive-laden drone was intercepted and destroyed without causing any further casualties. Security has been increased in Aden, and President 
Abdurraba Mansur Hadi directed the military to investigate the incident. And we will take a quick break and we'll finish it off with Africa. And we're back with Africa in Western Sahara. Officially, the conflict between Morocco and the Sawari Arab Democratic Republic is still ongoing over the territory of Western Sahara. However, the last clash between the two was reported on November 18th. So unless I see anything within the next week, this will be the last time I report on it. In Mali, on December 28th, three French soldiers were killed when their armored vehicle rolled over an IED in the Humbori region. This brings the number of French soldiers killed in Mali since the beginning of Operation Barkane in 2013 to 47. Brigadier Chief Tanari Maori, Fighter First Class Dorian Isakanian, and Fighter First Class Quentin Palche were all assigned to the 1st Regiment of Hunters, 1 RCH in French. The office of the president, Emmanuel Macron, said that he salutes the memory of these soldiers with great respect. The attack was claimed by the group to support Islam and Muslims, GSIM, a merger of three Islamist groups formed in 2017 that now serves as the official Al-Qaeda branch in Mali. On the second, two French soldiers were killed when their armored vehicle hit a roadside bomb in Manaka. Sergeant Yvonne Huynh and Brigadier Loic Rieser of the 2nd Hussar Regiment were on an intelligence gathering mission at the time of their death. France has now lost 47 servicemen in Mali since 2013. The soldier was wounded in the blast. The attack was also claimed by Chisim. In Niger, Islamist militants killed at least 100 civilians and wounded at least another 20 when they attacked two villages in the region of Tilaberi. No group claimed responsibility, but the nation has been plagued by violence from groups related to Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. In Algeria, on the second, four militants and two Algerian soldiers were killed during a counterterrorism operation in the town of Mesalmoun. No details were given from the Defense Ministry's press release other than that. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, on the 31st, militants with the Allied Democratic Forces, ADF, killed at least 25 civilians in the province of North Kivu. According to authorities, the victims were mostly farmers. According to Bravo Muhundo, who is a civil Society representative, local security forces were alerted to the ADF operating in the area, but did not take action quickly enough. In Nigeria, on the 27th, Boko Haram militants killed three and abducted at least 40 people as they were gathering firewood near the northeastern town of Gamburu. In November 2018, Boko Haram took 50 loggers in a similar attack and killed 49 loggers in a previous attack that same year. According to the United Nations, Boko Haram and ISIS's West Africa province have killed 36,000 people in northeastern Nigeria since 2009. In Egypt, on the first, two security force members were killed and five others were wounded when their patrol vehicle hit a roadside bomb near Bir al-Bad. 
in the Sinai province. No group claimed responsibility, but the Islamic State has claimed recent attacks in the area, particularly in Bir al-Bab. In Sudan, on the 27th, the country announced that it would deploy forces to South Darfur due to recent increases in tribal violence between the Masalit and Falata tribes that left at least 15 dead and 34 others wounded. This recent round of violence was reportedly started over a water source dispute. The Darfur region has witnessed a 17-year-long conflict between the government and several rebel groups. The United Nations estimates that 300,000 people have been killed in the war in Darfur, most of them being civilians. In Ethiopia, the war between the federal government and its Tigray region still continues. On the 27th, unconfirmed report surfaced of the commanding general of the Ethiopian National Defense Forces Eastern Division being killed in action by forces of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, TPLF. On the same day, according to the European External Program with Africa, EEPA, Sudanese troops retook some areas that have been occupied by Ethiopian farmers for 25 years. Additionally, the army is being deployed along the borders with Ethiopia and Eritrea. And on the same day, reports of looting and other crimes by security forces were continuing to flow in from social media. According to one report, an elder in the town of Adigrat killed 14 Eritrean soldiers that were attempting to loot his home before he himself was shot dead. On the 29th, another report by the EEPA claimed that federal troops massacred young men between December 27th and the 29th in the village of Tashi for failing to provide information on the location of TPLF forces in the area. And lastly, on the 31st, the TPLF claimed that it had ambushed the 4th Brigade of the Ethiopian Army in Zongi. The group said that it had killed 124 soldiers and captured 114, along with the brigade's commanding officer, Colonel Alamu Serni. And that's all I have for you guys this week. It was kind of a slow week, um, all things considered, but yeah, yeah, that's all I got for you. So I want to thank everyone for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot to me. You can find this podcast on your favorite apps, including Spotify, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us there. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate, all one word. Hope everyone had a great holiday and yeah, we'll see you guys around.